in that last part of the song, it says we brought ourselves as best as we could. It's right on topic this morning. Did you, the sermon says that it's ethics of the kingdom. How many of you started groaning when you heard the word ethics? You go, Ugh. like it's like it's a set of rules we're going to have to follow and all of that stuff. Anyone? Is it just me? <laughs> it's just me. When I went to seminary, um, they used the word ethics ethics or ethos slightly different. And they used to say, that coffee shop has a great ethos. Have you ever heard that sort of statement before? It means that the feel or the way they do things is really good to be around. It's a different understanding of, of what a good ethical situation creates is a place where people like to be. And why is it that a good ethical place, a place with a good ethos, people like to go there? It's safe, right? The ethics that develop the situation become make a safe place where then people like to go. And of course, the general rule, this, this will sound super highfalutin fancy, but the, but the uh, situation goes like this. People like to go where people like to go. That's the truth of it. People like to go where people like to go. And if you like to go someplace, you invite your friends to go with you. If you don't like to go there, do you invite your friends to go with you? Well, unless you need emotional support along the way, right? And you invite them along the way to help you do that. We've uh, been climbing the huge mountain range of Romans. And last week, we got to Romans 12, 1 through 2. And it sort of feels like in the book of Romans, you climb all the way up to Romans 12, and it talks about becoming a living sacrifice by the mercy of God. And then don't copy the behavior of the world around you, but don't be compressed into the mold that the world has for you, but be transformed by the word of God. And then it starts going into this spot where it says, how do you do such a thing? I want to explain to you that there's, that there's five sort of threads that God has sort of chosen to focus through on the book. And before we start getting into reading three through eight, I want you to know where we're at in the book. So we started off with Romans 1, and, and, and the description is what happens in a world where worship goes wrong, idolatry. And idolatry is a really fancy word that means worshiping something that's not God. That's really what it means. An idol in the Old Testament is, is translated a not God. And so idolatry is worshiping not God. And, and through the Psalms, we learn that whatever we worship, we begin to reflect into our world. And so when we worship th something that's not God, our behavior starts to slip into immorality. Well, through this book, he's been moving all the way through this to this spot in Romans 12 where he says, true worship is this. And then he starts talking about how we behave. See, this is the thing. We sort of think that we, our behavior determines our worship. 
But the truth of the matter is, who we worship and how we worship determines our behavior. It's the opposite way. So number two, it start, we've talked about how the, the, the old code, and by the old code I mean the Ten Commandments and all the Word and the Old Testament and all of that, wasn't working really well for the world because it was written on stone. And for that to work right, it had to, as we work through the book of Romans, it's got to the spot where it's talked about having hearts of flesh and, and having the code written inside you and that these people who have faith have the law in themselves. They keep it because it's inside of them. And so it went from written on hearts of stone, if you will, to hearts of flesh. So I'm sort of standing at the cross-section of this mini-streeted road, right, that, that we've got idolatry and immorality becoming true worship and proper behavior, but we've also got the old code being transformed into a guide for living that works in a different way because it's inside of us and not outside. The third one is, is that Paul talks about this, that he's, he's anxious for his flesh, and by his flesh he means the people like him. But in the example he's going to use here is that we're the body of Christ. And I, and I need to kind of go through this so that you know all this stuff is happening, is that flesh is often used as that example for, for the sin nature inside of that. But, but when you and your body are doing something, it's more than just your sin nature. It's all your personality and all your spirit and everything that's you. Not just your sin nature. So we're getting to this spot where Paul's going to now use an example of the body, not just your flesh, the whole of you. The fourth road coming in here is, is the way the world works and even work its way into the body of Christ. And we continue to do things like we use our ethnic differences and our gender differences. We use all of that stuff to sort of set us apart and say, well, the men can do this and the women can't do that, or the women can do this and the men can't do that. And, and because I'm a Jew, I can do that, but you're a pagan or a Gentile and you can't do that. Do you see those separations? That's that other road that, well, we all have to treat each other equally. And I would like to say just straight up, equality has a problem for it for me. I'm not speaking against equality. I'm saying that it wears the clothes of righteousness but doesn't have the power. Unity is the, is the power and the clothes of righteousness, not equality. I, I just need to say this really quick, and this is a little cul-de-sac in our thing. I'm going to use Marie right here beside me. She doesn't know I'm doing this. You and I are not equal. We're not the same. <laughs> I'm, I wish I were. <laughs> but but we're unit, we, have, we have unity and we have different skills. There's literally things Marie can do that I am not capable of. Yes? Would you all agree with that? Just give me... There, there might be a few things I could do that she can't do. 
but we're unified. And one of the ways that we become unified in this is I need to find a way to get out of Marie's way when she's doing what's good. And she's going to stay out of my way when I'm doing what's good. And that way we're unified. We we're well, how does this fit into this? This whole body has gifts that need to be exercised. And I don't have to use Marie. I could use Bill. Bill, are you and I equal in the body? Well, it's not possible. I'm not going to be doing the plumbing stuff that Bill can do. And you don't want me to. <laughs> As a body. But there's things that I do that, that Bill doesn't want to do. Or, oh no, let's see. And I could go around the room, and I don't have to use just Bill and Marie. I could go to Bonnie, or I could go to Karen, and you could all hear me say that there's literally things that Karen can do that A, I'm not able, and B, I don't want any part of. And you don't want me doing them. I need her doing them. You have never actually experienced me as Dave without Karen doing some of those things behind the scenes. I'm actually a more fully formed person because she can do those things. Do you hear that that's different than equality? That's unity. She, I, don't, I don't go into her classroom and try to teach her kids. That would be a disaster. You could just ask my kids that I've got in the middle school. But, but do you hear what I'm saying is that unity is a much bigger, more holistic concept inequality. We all have to treat each other exactly the same. Well, if I went to Larry, Larry, do I understand tax code? You have trouble. <laughs> well, what's a guy like me going to do if Larry has trouble? So we could just go around the room and do this, but it's not necessary. You get the concept. And if you've ever been in a long-term relationship with somebody you know that you're not actually as complete as you would be without the experience of them in your life. And if you don't know that, is your head in an upright and locked position? What's going on? Each of us requires the ministry of somebody else to be who we are. Now, it's even bigger than that in the church Part of the way the connectivity of a denomination works is that I get to be a pastor here only if the pastor at the next church over doesn't try to be pastor here and there, and I have to let them be, right? So we both function because we, we're doing the part we've been asked. If we try to do the other person's part, then neither of us will function. We're at this spot. The fifth thing is this insiders, outsiders to the unity thing. This is where we're at. This is the crossroads of the text we're at. Let's read. This is from Romans 12, 3. It's page 1749 in your pew Bible. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given each of us. Okay, so notice that it doesn't say measure somebody else's. 
measure yourself. Now that fits right into if, if I had to tell you one thing that I hope that I've ever always preached is the Bible never gives you a yardstick to measure somebody else's faith. It only gives you a way to measure yourself. And if you're measuring somebody else's yardstick, we can go back to the equality unity discussion that we just had. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Now we're back into that discussion about how I'm actually a better person because I've been nearby others that are doing their tasks. And it's not just Karen that makes me a better person. It's not. It's Roxanne in the office. I'm better at my job at the office with Roxanne. I'm better as a pastor here with Linda or somebody else doing music because Lord knows you do not want me leading music. We would be singing stuff that you don't want to hear on the radio. And that's the truth. But we're in this spot, okay? But it's not, and I want to make sure that you know that I brought in this flesh versus body thing because some people will say Paul's just using this thing to explain what, what it's like. It's because a body is not just the flesh. You are not just your arms and your toes and fingernails and hair, no matter how much you have or how little you have or anything like that. You are more than that. You are a sum of your personalities. We are a body of Christ, and we are not just the pastor. Let me, you big sigh of relief and wipe. You are, a church is far more than what the pastor says because it is this group of people and we are unified because we each need each other to do the things that we do. And if I'm the mouth, which I'm particularly good at, some of you will just tell me maybe too practiced, then where are the legs that take me places? Where are the hands that do things behind the scenes? Where are all of those things that happen? Because sometimes I just can't. I don't know if you know this, but I actually like bussing tables at funerals. Have you experienced that with me? That I kind of like going around doing that, but I've been chided for doing that. Don't you know you're the pastor? You're supposed to be out there. Be No, I'm just doing kind of this thing that I like to do. One person thought I was the janitor at a funeral. But sometimes those services only work because I'm doing something up front and somebody else is doing something in the back. And the stuff up front matters not at all if the stuff behind the scenes doesn't happen too. But the stuff behind the scenes doesn't really matter if the stuff up front doesn't happen. Do you see how they need each other? We are a body and we have many parts and we all belong. In his grace, not a throwaway line, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God is giving you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. By the way, as a person, 
who tends toward the gift of prophecy, I would tell you that it takes a lot of faith after opening your mouth so many times and blowing it to speak into somebody's life. I mean, there's a reason. He didn't just throw that with the faith that God is giving you in there for any reason. When you're, when you're trying to speak truth into somebody's life, how hard is that? How many of you would prefer just to be friendly rather than speak truth? How many of you would rather not ever say anything if it meant correcting? Just honestly. Me too, by the way. Me too. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encounter, encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God is giving you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, all of those things are in an order like this. If, you're, if you have the gift of showing kindness to others and you do it for a long time and you start to look for them to be kind back and maybe they don't, then sooner or later it becomes a burden to become kind. I keep doing that and they just don't change and any of that. But that's not what it says. It says, don't, you didn't do it in the beginning to get it back. You did it because you were kind. So continue being kind and be glad that you're kind. Don't let the other responses affect you. That's, that's a big deal, isn't it? I keep doing this for these people and they just never change. Well, don't let their not changing change you. If, you, if your gift is encouraging others and you, and you just don't get encouraged, but maybe, maybe you're looking for the wrong response from being encouraging. Maybe seeing somebody do something you encourage them to do is the, is the response, not, oh, thank you for being encouraging. It's all of the stuff. Now, in, in this, there's more than this to be done, okay? There's more than this to be said, but there's more always more to be said because the Word of God continues to speak into our lives no matter how long we're there because it went from written on hearts of stone to written on hearts of flesh as we became more and more fully human as God's Spirit takes our hearts and makes it a nice place to be. If I'm to borrow from the children's moment this morning. It brings the ethos of your heart as a place to be like, well, I'd kind of like to be near them because they're fairly gracious. And, and, and if they make a mistake, they're going to apologize for it, right? Because you don't really like being around people that make mistakes and don't apologize, do you? But sometimes you're called to be there. But don't let that change who you are. Be who God's calling you to be. And the unity of the body is all made one here because how we act flows from who we worship, not the other way around. How we act flows from who we worship. And if we worship 
a, a person that's not God, then what we'll get is idolatry and immorality out of it. And pretty soon we'll start to excuse certain things and start start to self-justify. But if we measure ourselves honestly with the faith that's given to us, then we aren't going to start to go, oh, well, you know, I know this is wrong, but it'd be okay for me to do it. Because here's the quote I was going to read you last week from the Dietrich Bonhoeffer book that I was reading, my, my little light reading during vacation. If you begin to think that the despicableness of somebody else's sin is much worse than the despicableness of your own sin, you're not recognizing your sinfulness at all. Now there's a, there's a little rock into the pond to make some ripples, right? If you're starting to judge somebody else's actions as really bad, then what, you, what he's actually saying, what God is saying is, you're not dealing with you. It's a dodge. So what do we do? Now we have this one Lord, and we've gone from, at the beginning of Romans, we've gone from a rebellious. By the way, have you noticed that every kid in the world rebels against the previous generation in exactly the same way? When we rebelled, when I was in junior high, when we rebelled, it was bell-bottoms and hideous tops, hideous shirts, yes? Puka shell necklaces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we all rebelled in exactly the same way against the previous look. But the world says, we've rebelled, we became idolatrous, idolatrous we were immoral, we had hearts of stones, we're insiderish, we pick and choose our favorite people to bring. Sarkic, it's a fancy word that means fleshly. But now, with this one Lord, we are one body, us. Not just individuals, but one body together. And not, and not erased and, and amalgamated into a homogenous mass. I just love words. But you're not a homogenous group of people. You are actually different from each other. Praise God for that. That's what it's for. And, and even if the Genesis 1 thing, let me go back to Genesis 1, and let us make human beings in our image, and they will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds and the livestock and all the wild, and we'll give them dominion over all things. Have you heard that recently, that humans were supposed to have dominion over this, but they blew it? And you could ask many places in the world that would say, humans should never be put in that spot again. And, and I might agree, except for the presence of the Spirit. And what God is asking you to do now is take one little of corner of creation and practice on it until it comes to fruition. And that little corner of creation that you're supposed to be practicing on is you just take your left hand and just go right here. This is the little corner of creation you've been given to practice on. You. 
submitted in true worship with hearts of flesh, unified, whole, but not complete. Whole in Christ, this is the inheritance that honors. And at some point, when he fully returns, dominion by humans won't be so bad for the rest of the world. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, this morning as we come into you, into your presence, we thank you so much for the work that you've done that, that we stand at this crossroads and recognize how much has been done. Help us measure ourselves with the faith that was given to us so that we can see the road forward in you that your word would be alive in us and be formative for us as a people of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.